Welcome to the Vineyard Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information on this podcast or other resources, go to vineyardlive.us. To learn more about us, go to thevineyardchurch.us. Good morning. Good morning. Now, I am often intrigued. Well, actually, I'm jealous of those people who have these visitations by angels. Okay? Uh, Angels are coming from heaven. They're delivering um, a message. And it's usually fantastic. I don't know how many of you have watched these on YouTube. They have millions of views. I've personally never been visited by an angel, but I'm thinking I certainly would like one because heavenly creatures, angels, can give us some incredible perspective for the mess here on earth, right? Well, actually, the message I have today was originally delivered by an angel, and it is the book of Revelation. By the way, it's Revelation, not Revelations. It's singular, and there's a reason for that. It's because there's one profound and outstanding revelation in the entire book, and that is the revelation of Jesus Christ himself. Now, there's lots of other things, but that's the main focus. And it actually opens with this statement. This is in chapter 1, by the way. Just uh, buckle up. (laughs) We're going to be doing a lot of reading of the text, which a lot of times we don't do, but it's very important because there's an important blessing specifically attached to the book of Revelation that isn't attached to any other book in the Bible, and it's that if you read it and, of course, obey it, (laughs) there's incredible blessing. Okay, so we're going to read. I'm starting here in uh, chapter 1, verse 1, and it says this. Revelation of Jesus, excuse me, the Messiah. God gave it to him to show his servants what must soon take place. He signified it by sending a message through his angel to his servant John, who, by reporting all he saw, bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus the Messiah. Okay, I'm reading actually from the New Testament for Everyone, which is a recent translation from the uh, very prominent theologian scholar N.T. Wright. And I like his translation because it's actually for everyone, which means you can actually understand it, okay? Okay, but did you see that? A revelation of Jesus the Messiah, and it came this way, from God the Father to Jesus himself, to an angel who delivered it to John, who many think is the Apostle John, who uh, wrote the Gospel of John, the letters, and was very close to Jesus. And then he delivered it to seven churches in the known world at that time. uh, It's now modern-day Turkey, but seven different churches. And they needed a fresh and powerful revelation of Jesus and the purposes of God. They were struggling You see, 
Almost all of those churches in the first century were birthed miraculously, like signs and wonders, all kinds of amazing things that happened. And these people were, you know, they gave up a lot to, to worship Jesus, and it was awesome and powerful. But now it's towards the end of the first century, and things aren't so great. As a matter of fact, many of them have already been persecuted or even martyred, definitely have had their homes taken, have had to leave the cities that they lived in, and they're struggling. And you know, it was very confusing for them. Why? Because they remembered what Jesus said, right? He said, I'm going to build my church, right? And what did he say about that church? The gates of hell aren't going to prevail. Well, it actually looks like that's happening right now, that the gates of hell are prevailing because these people are struggling. And even though this was written in the first century, I think a lot of us can identify. I know we're not losing our lives right now because of the gospel, but a lot of us are struggling. We're struggling. Some of us are even like suffering, if you will. You know, the book of Revelation has a lot to say about suffering. And it's actually one reason I've avoided reading it too much or preaching on it. I don't think we've ever actually preached on it as a church. We preached out of the book of Revelation. But I'll just say, I, all my life, I've had a fear of suffering. But I don't think that's unusual, but I think I've had an inordinate fear. And, and so you try to control. You, 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 don't, you don't want pain. And, and as I have decided to embrace a fresh revelation of Jesus Christ, he has said these words to me. Die, you've known me as Savior. I want to reveal myself to you as the suffering servant. I'm like, I thought I knew that. It's like, no, no, no. The suffering servant who lives in you, who can empower you to navigate suffering, who can give you the right perspective on suffering, and who can ultimately bring you through suffering. So I'm ready for a fresh revelation of Jesus Christ. I want encouragement, just like these churches uh, did back in the first century. And as I said, there is an incredible blessing attached. Verse 3 says this, God's blessing on the one who reads the words of this prophecy and on those who hear them and keep them, keep what is written in it, the time you see is near. So I'm going to invite us to read it, to heed it, <laughs> you know, to listen, to live it, and be blessed. Let's pray. Well, Father, we definitely need you, and your Holy Spirit is our teacher. This is a complicated book, a misunderstood book, and we just hand all of our, um, yeah, confusion over to you, and we welcome you to give us a fresh revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. So come today, Holy Spirit, Touch our minds and touch our hearts. We pray in his name. Amen. I think it's interesting if there's such an incredible blessing on those who read, why is it that many of us never do? Or if we do, we get confused and maybe abandon reading before we get the blessing. And it's because you don't have to read very far in Revelation before you realize it's filled with all kinds of 
crazy visions. Like there's wild beasts. There's all kinds of uh, magnificent heavenly visions too. But there's a lot of blood and horror and confusion and symbols and smells. There's numbers and sounds and all kinds of critters. I mean, it's, it's very, very confusing, okay? Um, so, you know, we give up. Now, uh, I'm going to date myself, but how many of you are familiar with the books Left Behind? Or perhaps the movie? Okay, these were very, very popular. Um, and they were all based on the uh, book of Revelation. And the whole premise um, of the Left Behind, which was actually like a multi-million uh, dollar, or multi-million uh, uh, number of books that were sold. Um, the whole idea was said, the main idea was get right with God or be left behind. Because there's going to be this rapture, this uh, lifting of the church out of the world, and you get right with God or you're going to be left behind. Now, when I met Christ in the 70s, many of us were totally absorbed in a book called The Late Great Planet Earth, which was also all about the end times. And it was supposed to end very soon, which obviously it didn't. That was 50 years ago. But at the same time, there was a film, and it was shown to youth groups all over the country. How many of you saw the film The Thief in the Night? Okay, not very many. Well, that's good because, <laughs> because the thief in the night is based on a text about that Jesus' return is he's going to come as a thief in the night and he's going to snatch away only those who love him. So if you happen to be sleeping in bed with, with someone and that person loves Jesus and you don't, you're going to wake up the next morning and that person's going to be gone. I'm telling you, those of us who saw this movie, and I was one of them, it scared the hell right out of us, hold on, and heaven into us. Unfortunately, most of those fear-based conversions did not last. Why? Because it was very misguided and at times totally wrong theology interpretation of uh, the book of Revelation. Uh, John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard, was fond of saying when he taught on the book of Revelation, there are no fewer, and this was in the 80s, than 17 different ways to interpret the book of Revelation. Like, is it about the past? Is it about the present? Is it about the future? Yes. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> now, we're going to try to focus on what the Holy Spirit brings to light for us and not worry about the other stuff. We actually are going to recommend a lot of different resources uh, that we have found helpful. And you can, you know, eat the meat, spit out the bones. But we're going to dive into the first five chapters of Revelation in this series, which we've called Revelation, the Unveiling of Jesus Christ. Now, there are 17 more chapters, which at some point we might get to, or we might even talk about those on some of our podcasts or our Facebook Live because we're all committed to reading through, obviously, the whole book as preachers uh, to get the whole picture, but we're only going to focus on the first five chapters, and today, I'm just going to uh, answer some basic questions, so it's more of a teaching, like, well, what is the book of Revelation? Who wrote it? And more specifically, why and how do we read the book of Revelation. And trust me, I'm still learning, okay? Um, I've had to abandon a lot of things that I thought and be open to the Holy Spirit. You know, I love how Jesus says seven times in the first three chapters of Revelation, 
He says, if you have an ear, listen to what the Spirit is saying, which is a total indication that this book can't be read apart from the Holy Spirit. Okay, he's the one who, you know, uh, unveils truth and leads and guides us. But most importantly, he's the one who shows us who Jesus is. Okay, in ways maybe that we've never known before. So the bottom line, I like to say it this way. We read Revelation to encounter the living Christ, not to expose the antichrist. Okay, although there, that, all, there, that's there. Okay, but we read it, make your motivation. And I'm telling you, this takes discipline. You, you will find yourself getting distracted and wanting to hear and go down here and read. And say, no, we read Revelation to encounter the living Christ, not specifically to expose the Antichrist. Or said another way, we read it not to unveil a code to the end times, but to unveil the Christ of all times who not only lives on high, but he lives in here. Okay, so that's the bottom line that we're taking. All right, so what is the book of Revelation? Well, interestingly, the word revelation comes from a Greek word, and we would translate it as apocalypse. Now, all you teenagers, you know what that is because you've seen zombie apocalypse, right? Right? Okay. <laughs> But contemporarily speaking, we think apocalypse has to do with catastrophic, catastrophic events, you know, like the blizzard in Texas, okay, <laughs> or a, a tsunami, or an earthquake, or, you know, in a, a catastrophic event. And if you go to an online dictionary, it actually gives the definition of apocalypse as the catastrophic end of the world as depicted in the book of Revelation. Mm, not so much. Okay. Actually, the word apocalypse, and it, this is called the apocalypse of Jesus Christ. That's the actual tr Greek translation. Apocalypse means the sudden unveiling of previously hidden truth. Revelation, okay? An unveiling of previously hidden truth. What, wait a minute. Was Jesus hidden? I mean, we, we have 65 other books of the Bible that are all pointing to him. Was he hidden? No, but I don't know about you. I haven't begun to plumb the depths of Jesus Christ. I want to know the height, the depth, the length, the breadth of this one who is my Savior, who is my Lord, who is the suffering servant who died for me. I haven't begun. And neither had these people. And in addition, they needed a different perspective and that's what the uh, apocalypse is going to give them and going to give us. Again, they're in the middle of turmoil, suffering, doubt. They need to be encouraged to persevere in their love for Jesus. And apocalyptic literature is very symbolic and it's very graphic. Again, with all kinds of creatures and, and uh, weird, weird uh, uh, colors and um, activities and uh, you know, things that aren't r real to our world, but that's the important thing you need to understand is they're actually depicting, they're, they're, they're depicting spiritual truths to us that we can't see. You know, apocalyptic literature is a very uh, popular way that uh, much of the prophets of the Old Testament wrote. So any of you... And, who are familiar with Daniel or Isaiah or Zechariah or even Exodus for that matter, there's a lot of apocalyptic imagery in there. And what's, what, 
we need to remember we, uh, you know, as a body here at the vineyard, we know that there's a whole lot going on in the cosmos we can't see, right? You know, we often think of heaven and we think, oh, heaven's up there. And then we say earth. We think of earth down here. No, 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 no. Actually, they're very interrelated. There's a whole lot going on. There's a whole lot we can't see, which is why we need the curtain pulled back to at least get a glimpse. Oh, there's those monsters that are behind the political system? Oh, there's those creatures that are influencing culture? Yes. And so that's what the book of Revelation is, is written to unveil previously hidden truth, but in the middle of it, don't get all sidetracked with, okay, is the beast, was that Nero? No, it was Hitler. No, it's Saddam Hussein. No, it's, mm, you could fill in the blank, but I'm not gonna meddle there. So don't, don't do that, <laughs> okay? Stay focused on the unveiling of the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay, this is what you need to remember. In, in the midst of all of the turmoil and the craziness and the dragons and the horses with wings and the judgments and the destruction, the message of revelation is God wins. That Jesus Christ, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, will one day reign here in a brand new earth and a brand new heaven. And that's the bottom line, okay? So remember that because <laughs> it's easy to get distracted. Now, we actually can trust our God, which he's trying to encourage us. He is a good God. He is an all-powerful God. I mean, how many of us, even right now, have said, how can a good God allow all the suffering that's happening in our world? The pandemic, right? The, the, the tragedies all over, even what happened at the Capitol or what's happening overseas. I mean, how does a good God, where is he? Well, Revelation has some answers for that. Because just like the Christians of the first century, we can be very tempted, number one, just to give up. And I'm seeing this all over. People are just deconstructing their faith and not reconstructing it. They're done. If not, this is another very serious problem that uh, Revelation addresses. People are tempted to compromise. Oh, it's okay. Oh, we can go along with the culture there. So, again, Revelation is written to encourage us, you know, keep believing. And when we resist, which we're going to have to increasingly resist the culture, resist things all around us, we don't do it violently. Why? Because we serve the Prince of Peace. Okay, so, I can tell I'm starting to meddle a little too much. I got to get back to my notes. Okay, we can actually be faithful witnesses to God's love in a world of violence. You know what the word faithful witness means? It doesn't, don't think about a dog. Like, he's such a faithful little puppy. No. Faithful witness means I'm going to testify to the truth of who this Jesus is and what he taught. And not just with my mouth. I want you to look at my life. I want you to look, does, does my life bear witness to the truth? Jesus is alive. He is a loving God. He is a faithful God. He is a good God. Am I a faithful witness as in a law court? Could my life testify? 
I want it to be that way. You, 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 and that's what Revelation's encouraging us because we have a whole world that is dying for that witness. Let me tell you a recent story. A couple weeks ago, early, fairly early in the morning, like nine or so, I have to run to the grocery store. Usually, I don't go to Harvest Market, which I actually love. It's a fantastic grocery store. But um, it's nearby, so I thought, okay, great. I'm going to run up there, but, oh, you should have seen me. Total bedhead. You know, I looked horrible. But who cares in the pandemic, right? You put on a mask, big coat, nobody even knows who you are. Great. Okay, I got this. So I go to Harvest Market, and I'm in the bakery department, and a woman approaches me. She goes, hey, aren't you Diane from the vineyard? Now, at this point, you decide, do I want to lie or not? <laughs> okay, like, no, I'm, I'm not kidding you. <laughs> Obviously. We've been talking about everyday encounters, right? <laughs> so it occurs to me this could be an everyday encounter. Okay, so I step back, I go, yeah. She goes, boy, do I have some questions for you. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, she goes, I, I've been to your church before. Yeah? Uh, yeah, I want to know, like, what, do you, what are your answers to a worldwide pandemic? Thousands of people dead. Thousands of people losing their jobs. Thousands of people without health care. And at first, I, I felt myself, like, you know, wanting to, like, answer, like, well, there's another player on the field, you know, and, and I sensed the Lord say, shh, shh, just listen and love her. And we ended up having a 15-minute conversation, which was mostly me listening to how broken her heart is, how confused she is about who God is and the goodness of God. And, and ultimately, I just said to her, look, What is one thing I could actually pray for you that might convince you that God is real and that he is good? And she's like, well, I don't believe in God anymore, but uh, I do, I would take a prayer. I go, okay. She goes, I need a job. I said, okay. And right there in the bakery section of Harvest Market, I was able to pray with her and say, Father, you who love her, you who aren't bothered by her questions, you who want to provide, I'm asking for a job. That simple, that's it. I don't know if she got one. She hasn't contacted me or anything. My point is, I believe God was giving me a glimpse into the heart of a lot of people that are questioning and wondering. And that's, again, what the book of Revelation is all about. It is apocalyptic, yes. But you know what it's... At its heart, it's a pastoral letter. It's the heart from the shepherd who loves us and wants us, not just to be comforted. Oh, I like the Bible for comfort. It's time for some challenge. Why? Because it's going to take some uncommon courage in the coming days. So, who wrote it? And who was it written to? Well, let's pick back up on the text. Going back to Revelation 1, again, this will be on the screen, so you can follow along there. John, to the seven churches in Asia, grace to you and peace from he who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits that are before his throne and from Jesus the Messiah, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. <laughs> 
So here we see John is the human uh, writer, again, Apostle John, possibly. He's writing to seven different churches. And uh, this is, uh, we have a map here up on the screen that shows uh, that's modern day Turkey. It's called Asia here in the Bible, but it's modern day Turkey. And these letters were actually circulated among all of them, you know, by a courier. They were carried from one to another. And number seven, which is repeated over and over again in the book of Revelation, God loves numbers numbers, by the way. The number seven is God's number for complete, for fullness. And so this represents, this isn't just for seven churches in the first century. This is for church of all time, including us. And so there's a message there for us too. And it was for them also. Okay, who is it from? Who? Did you notice how many times who was in that text that I read? It's from our triune God. Who is who was and who is to come. I love that description of him because it doesn't matter what your past was. It actually doesn't matter what your present is. It doesn't matter how worried you are about the future. Our God is the one who is, who was, and who is to come. And that's amazing. And then it's from the seven spirits of God, which we don't talk much about. It's actually another name for the Holy Spirit. And I hope we get to do some teaching on that sometime because there's seven different aspects to the Holy Spirit. And then, of course, from Jesus. That's our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the faithful witness, firstborn from the dead, ruler of the kings of the earth. Now, wow, if I saw that on a postmark, if that's who the letter was from, I would want to read it. <laughs> you know, that's some amazing author, right? Well, John goes on and he says, Glory to the one who loved us and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. Glory and power be to him forever and ever. Amen. This is just an aside. You know what the word amen means? It's the truth. Say it more often. Can you just say it right now? Amen. <laughs> it's the truth. <laughs> no. Okay. That's all right. Okay. What, what are you going through? <laughs> again, what are the struggles, the temptations, the confusions? Well, who is our God? And again, he's reminding us who we are. The God who loves us. He loves us. He's freed us from our sin. He's actually freed us from our wanting to be angry and Oh, confused and doubt. No, he's freed us from our sin. He's given us a new identity. He's made it possible for us to live as a righteous son and daughter of the almighty God. And then he's given us this incredible destiny. Yeah, we're not just left here as nothing. He said, you're kings and priests right now. We have work to do, right? As faithful witnesses. Okay, John goes on. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye shall see him. Yes, even those who pierced him. All the tribes of the earth shall mourn because of him. Yes, amen. That's the truth. He is coming back. And everyone, every person, no matter what, you're a man or a woman, you're black, you're white, wherever you're from, all over the world, you will see him. And I pray you have an opportunity to say, yes, oh Lord, you who were pierced for me, I love you. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. 
He is beginning. He is the end. He is the Almighty. Just meditating on that will bring an incredibly fresh revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter what your situation, what your question, he has the answers. He is the answer. Ask the Holy Spirit for that fresh unveiling. No matter what's happening in your work or your family, the world, I've been asking him more and more. Early this summer is when I was first challenged to die, read, I want you to re-engage with the book of Revelation. And uh, it's not just a simple reading again. It's, a, it's an activity with the Holy Spirit to open my eyes and open my heart and bring change and bring transformation. Well, let's go to why was it written? So we know who wrote it. We know what it is. But why was it written? And there's two basic reasons it was written that I'm going to address today. Let's go on. Revelation 1.9. I, John, your brother, your partner in the suffering, the kingdom, and the patient endurance of Jesus was on the island called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. That was a prison colony. He'd been exiled there because of his faith. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. Write down what you see in a book, it said, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Okay, so why was this written? Two main reasons. Number one, again, these churches, as I've already shared, are going through incredible suffering. And they're going through suffering on three different fronts, very similar fronts to what all of us are going through right now at all different, you know, uh, degrees, depending on where you live, what country you live in, what your own persuasion is. But Christians are being assaulted, as in this first century, on a religious front. There's no question, just as they, they were in the, uh, they were, the, the law-abiding Jews hated the Christians who worshiped a man that they considered to be a dead Nazarene and who claimed to be the son of man and son of God. So they were persecuted for that. Secondly, they were persecuted by the culture, which is, again, very, very, we're, a lot of us are in the middle of a, you know, cancel culture. There's a lot of cultural persecution coming. Well, in the same way, first century, they were being persecuted because they no longer worshiped idols. And that really ruined that whole trade, the idolatrous trade in the culture. And last but not least, politically. Oh, there was tremendous suffering because of their political stance. Why? Because Caesar was Lord. And if you dared say Jesus is Lord, off with your head. It's coming to something like that. We're actually going to touch on that more specifically each week as each of the preachers looks at the letters written to each of these churches and answers like, well, what was the suffering they had? What were the political tensions they had? What were the cultural tensions? And then how do they compare to what we're going through? And how do we respond? What does Jesus have to say to us as a church? Okay. Again, Jesus, he gets it. Those churches were mostly poor. Those people, you know, lost their homes, their jobs. Many of them lost their lives. And there was a huge, huge temptation to compromise, to give in, to accommodate or give up. Okay, secondly, though, Revelation was written because there's a ton of bad teaching. 
Now, Jesus really cares about bad teaching. As a matter of fact, all throughout his teaching, and then in the epistles Paul that, wrote, that Paul wrote and John wrote and Peter wrote, they warn us over and over again about false teachers and false prophets. Now, I could really meddle here. I'm not going to. I'm just saying this is not a new problem. There's a ton of false teaching. And uh, I listened to a recent webinar by uh, Rich Nathan. He's the founding pastor of the Columbus Vineyard. And he said he was trying to teach us as pastors, how do we lead in a post-truth world? It's a post-truth world. There's, nobody knows what truth is anymore, okay? And a lot of that's due to just, you know, the, the internet, the media, you know, what, what is truth? We, we don't know. And, you know, we're, we're reading this, we're reading that, we're listening to this podcast, we're listening to that podcast. Yikes! What is truth? And he said, this has created a vacuum for many of us. And I'm very sympathetic here, actually. And this is what attracts us to things like conspiracy theories. And uh, conspiracy theories have risen up with a, a pretty huge force. And again, because there's just this vacuum, we don't trust the institutions anymore. We don't trust the government. We, we don't trust the church at large. We don't trust the education system. So in come the conspiracy theorists with, okay, let me tell you what's really going on. Let me pull back the veil for you and show you what is. It gives us a sense of control, doesn't it? Now, some of you are looking at me totally blank. Okay, you don't know what I'm talking about, so I'm going to talk right now to people who are familiar with QAnon. QAnon is one of the most powerful and one of the most prevalent conspiracy theories right now. And Q is an unknown figure, possibly a high-ranking military officer, Anon, but he or she is anonymous. Now, there's actually some really good things from QAnon, and I might do a podcast or I might do a question and answer on this because I want you to hear. Uh, I made it a commitment to study, to listen, to read, to interact with the Lord. Like, okay, help us here. Because many Christians are attracted to QAnon. Now, I'm not going to dissect any of the beliefs right now. This is my challenge to us today. People are flocking to QAnon, listening to QAnon. You don't know who Q is. I'm just telling you, we know Jesus Christ. We know the one who is called the way, the truth, and the life. We have the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of truth, who lives in us. And he can actually lead us to the right resources. He can open our eyes. I'm not against resources. I'm not against learning from other people. I am against getting my information from an anonymous person when we can know the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, I know I totally meddled there. Um, I get that. It's okay. Um, I'm passionate about this. I want truth. I, why? Because Jesus said the truth will set you free. Okay? So let's ask for a fresh revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ and his perspective on what is going on. Oh, my time is ticking. I will hurry because I promised I would read the entire text here. I want you to hear a picture of truth himself. Okay, this is a picture of truth himself. Revelation 112. 
So I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me. As I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands in the middle of the lampstands, one like the Son of Man, wearing a full-length robe with a golden belt across his chest. His head and his hair were white. Yeah, white. White like wool. White like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like exquisite brass refined in a furnace. His voice was like the sound of many waters. He was holding seven stars in his right hand and a sharp two-edged sword was coming out of his mouth. The sight of him was like the sun when it shines with full power. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though I was dead. Folks, that's the truth. That's the God we serve. And I could detail all the different parts of that vision. They all have significance and meaning. But I'm asking the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what you need to know. You know, those burning eyes have meant a lot to me. Um, I, I've just written a new book, and one of the, my last chapter is Bonfire or Hellfire? And I've learned a lot about the consuming fire of God. And I want you to know he's a faithful God, a loving God, a good God. Well, Jesus is holding those seven stars. People think those are either angels that are assigned to churches or the leaders. Whoa, Mike, Julie, you're held in his hand. That would be so cool. <laughs> and the lampstands are the churches. Jesus is walking among us. Do you know he has such passion for his church? I'm sorry so many people are abandoning church. It grieves my heart because Jesus is walking among the lampstands, the churches, and he is putting fresh oil of the Holy Spirit into these churches who say, we will, we'll burn brightly for you. We will, we will not back down. We will accurately reflect your glory, your goodness, your love, your power, your righteousness. Then he touched me with his right hand. Don't be afraid, he said. I'm the first and the last, the living one. I was dead, and look, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and Hades. Now write what you see, both the things that already are and also the things that are going to happen afterwards. Absolutely, he touches us. Don't be afraid. No matter what you thought, he does have the keys. It doesn't look like it. He does have the keys. He does have the authority. He does have the keys to death in the unseen world. And will we commit to having him unveil that in a way that we can partner with him and cooperate with him in the middle of pain or persecution or confusion? Yes, let's commit to reading this. How? He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say. Welcome the Holy Spirit. Welcome him to challenge your vision of the Lord Jesus Christ, to unveil more. I'll share just one more thing that's been happening to me. He said, Di, you've known me as lover. And that's one of the most precious things to me, my intimate relationship with Jesus, with all of its ins and outs. He said, you know me as lover. You need to get ready to know me as Lord. And I would be like, well, I thought I did. No, you're going to need to know I am the Lord that I have the keys to death in the unseen world. I am alive forevermore. I'm not just a friend. I am the firstborn from the dead. So, Lord, that's what we want. I don't know what the need is in each heart here. You know where you need to unveil, to pull back, to show who you are, whether it's a teenager 
or an 80-year-old or a business person. Lord, whoever we are, you know the vision we need to see, the revelation we need in order to stay faithful, to love you, and to be a witness for your glory and your goodness in your name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the message today. To experience more powerful messages, go to vineyardlive.us or join our Vineyard Live Plus community to view conferences, trainings, and special teachings.